Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homie, and you are tuned in to the right place if you are a business creator. By business creator, I mean one of four things. You're an entrepreneur, small business owner, or local business owner. You could be a marketing or business coach. You could be somebody who helps others build their businesses and win at the game of business and marketing. Or you could be a do-it-yourselfer who just loves having your own hands on the levers and managing the operations and the marketing of your business yourself. I know there are many folks out there who genuinely enjoy this, and we are here to support you. And if you are any of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating helps us spread the message and is greatly appreciated. Now, today, our episode is going to be called The Power and Profit of Massive Visibility, and I'm extremely honored to have with us our special guest today, Kathleen Gage. And just to tell you a little bit about Kathleen, she's known as the no-nonsense, common-sense marketing strategist speaker, author, product creation specialist, and owner of Power Up for Profits. As an early adopter of online marketing, Kathleen helps her clients package their expertise into money-making products. Kathleen teaches others how to gain visibility in front of their sweet spot clients with both online and offline methods. This is very interesting to me because, as I've said so many times, we can talk about Internet marketing all day long, but there's one inbox that no change the Gmail or no email send algorithm can ever affect, and that's the one the United States Postal Service. Her clients are driven by making a difference through their own unique voice. Kathleen is the author of Power Up for Profits, The Smart Woman's Guide to Online Marketing. She's known for cutting through the fluff and helping people leave their sob stories behind so they can stop focusing on the past and start looking towards the future. I love that message. She speaks and teaches about what she believes are the core elements of a successful life, accountability, integrity, honesty, and living with passion and hope, which I believe is something that all of our listeners can get behind. So as far as we're going to talk about today, the power and profit of massive visibility, if you want to live your purpose and make a difference, you want to build a business that truly inspires you. And so many of our listeners come to me saying that they have a business that just doesn't have a wow factor to them like it used to or it never really has. And if you want to help others, then you're going to have to get louder, bolder, more brazen than you've ever been before. That's something I can subscribe to. It's time for business leaders of the world who want to serve a higher power that leads to profits to help change the standard of what it means to be in business. And that's what we're going to accomplish here today on this episode of Business Creators Radio Show. It's time to accept who we are as individuals. It's not all that different from who we are in business. We talk about branding. We've had experts on branding who say that the brand of your business is really your reputation and who you are and what you bring to that business. So, Kathleen, how are you doing today? Well, Adam, I am doing great, and I love that introduction. It's like, wow, that's, I, I'm excited to hear myself talk. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm well, really uh, glad to be here. Well, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm so glad to have you here as well. What I'm noticing about uh, what we've been doing at the Business Creators Radio Show lately is we've been having a number of guests who really probe into this area of helping folks achieve more visibility and help to um, express who it is that they really are and bring that to the fore to help drive their business and achieve the success that they truly wanted. And we've been talking more and more about having a business that is so exciting that you you, you don't even need an alarm clock anymore. You wake up even before the sun saying, all right, 
I'm ready to turn on my computer. Let's go. Let's make this happen. And I know I've been in places in my life before where it's like I had to drag myself to even log into my email, but I love where I am right now where, I mean, I can't even remember the last time I've woken up to my alarm clock. I think the last time I've even had to bother with my alarm clock is when I'm already eating breakfast and then all of a sudden goes off, I have to go shut it off. So, I mean, it's yeah, something to have that type of life, and I think visibility has something to do with it. Now, before Absolutely. we dive exactly. Now, before we dive in, what I want to do is I just kind of want to take a step back. I know I read your biographical statement there, and it gives people a great background of where you're coming from and why they should be listening to you right now. But I want to give those of our audience who may not have heard of you or may not truly know who you are yet a chance to get to know you a little bit as Kathleen Gage. Now, just tell us a little bit about your background in your own words and what brought you to where you are today and how you've come to help entrepreneurs and business creators achieve visibility. Absolutely, Adam. I'd be glad to. I I actually started my business nearly 20 years ago, and I was working for a corporation, GTE Health Systems. And at that time, I I actually um, probably about – Oh, eight years prior to working for this company, I had gotten introduced to Tony Robbins' information, and it really just put me on fire with what was possible. And when I was working for GTE, I found that to a point I could be who I was, to a point I could be creative, and my ideas were listened to to a point. I mean, there was always that to a point. And I, I actually recall when I made that decision that it was time to leave. And it was um, one day I was answering the phone, and I I answered, it's a great day at GTE Health Systems. This is Kathleen. And I had a boss that was an ogre, and he he was a miserable person. And he said, you cannot answer the phone like that. And it's like, well, why? And he said, that's not professional. You're not supposed to be that happy here. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Well, a few other things transpired over the next few months, and I actually was a part of a group that got laid off, and I was the only one who volunteered to get laid off, and it, it was uh, <laughs> nice because I got a severance package. And uh, I actually had walked in with my resignation, and the, uh, one of the directors said, hey, we're going to do a layoff. Can we add you into the numbers? It's like, absolutely. And so what, it, what I did is I left a corporate environment, and I started working with corporations. It was a natural transition to go from corporate to corporate. And over time, what I found was I still had those restrictions. It, there was still the box that you had to play. In. And so I, I went from corporate to working with actually the military, then I worked with municipalities and state agencies, then I worked for mid-sized companies, small businesses, and it all evolved to where when I discovered the Internet in the uh, probably about 1997, I really took a liking to it. And over time, everything evolved into me now working with primarily solo entrepreneurs who have a very powerful message that they want to get out to their market, and many of them don't know how to package their information. They don't know how to really blow their own horn, if you will. And the majority of the clients that I work with one-on-one, they've had extremely successful careers. It might have been in a corporate environment. They may have owned their own business for 20 to 25, 30 years. And now what they want to do is they want to leave their legacy. And so everything really has evolved where what I started doing 20 years ago is absolutely not what I'm doing today. And what I have found is the more authentic, and I, I think that's a somewhat overused word, but it's a good word to describe being who we are. And the more authentic that I've been, the better things have been. Right. I think, and I've been there too. I've worked for 
companies. And I mean, I had a pretty good run in corporate America before I realized I was truly unemployable and entrepreneurship was really where I needed to be. But I understand the situation where you actually try and be enthusiastic and you try and make a contribution. And then from upward, you get told, well, we don't, we never really asked you. And how are you supposed to serve your customers? And how are you supposed to have a wild feeling about what you're doing? So no wonder people are discouraged. And I think what that leads to, unfortunately, is that some people dive into entrepreneurship and they dive into starting a business because they say, well, I'll just hang out my shingle and get paid as a consultant to do what I've been doing before. But without a proper strategy for visibility, how far do they really get? Absolutely. absolutely. You know, you, you've really hit the nail on the head with that one, Adam. Um, a lot of right. people, they think all they have to do is have the passion behind what they're doing and everything else will take care of itself. Uh, and the reality is is that you have to be very strategic in what you're doing. Um, I'm, I'm a, a real proponent of law of attraction. You know, I know that what mm-hmm. we believe we attract to ourselves, but there's also the law of action where you have to be into action and it has to be strategic action and focused action because otherwise you end up spinning your wheels. And, you know, a a huge misunderstanding that people have is how to get visibility through uh, social media. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people think, oh, if I post things on Facebook, then people are going to see me. Not necessarily true. It's really a matter of, again, where do you need to be seen? That's a big uh, question that people need to answer. Because it's not just about being seen. Uh, You can go stand in in the street naked and you'll be seen, and you'll probably get arrested for that. But if you really (laughs) want to have, yeah, it's like uh, if you really want to have an impact, you have to be very knowledgeable of who your market is, where they hang out, what their needs are, what their greatest pain point is, and what solutions you offer. And to really get to the point of realizing that you are not a solution for everybody. The, the greatest mistake that I see people make in business is they think everybody needs and wants what they have to offer. And it may be that people need something, but they may not want it from you. So you have to have that uh, alignment with the market that wants to work with you. Hold that thought because we're going to come back to that in a few moments because, you know, we talk about visibility and we talk about marketing, we talk about attraction, and I think there's something about marketing. When you try and be everything to everybody, you actually become nothing to nobody is the way I see it. Before we do that, I love it. You're uh, right. You're right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, before we do that, there is something I do want to cover. Um, Every time we have a guest on the Business Creators Radio Show, I mention – that our guests come to us and they say, you know, Adam, we could probably do pretty much everything that everybody who you bring on your show says we should do, and we would be very successful in our business. There's just one little problem, or actually two little problems, and they're known as time and money. Now, as I said, we ask every expert who appears on our show, what do time and money have to do with this, and how does this apply to gaining more visibility in the marketplace? Are time and money really a hindrance to getting more visibility? Well, you know, time and money can be a hindrance if you don't use your time effectively and if you don't use your money effectively. Um, A lot of uh, times, uh, you know, excuse the pun, but many times what happens is um, newer entrepreneurs and even those who have been in business for a while but they're struggling, they think they have to do everything themselves. I, I don't know where that belief started, but I had it myself early on. And what I realized was when I really stepped back and looked at, okay, where's my greatest strength? What are the 
three things I should be doing in my business. One is I should be speaking, I should be writing, and I should be on the stage presenting and doing interviews. That's really what I should be doing. The rest of it I can outsource. And so one of the the ways to optimize your time is to figure out what are the things that you really have no business doing but they need to be done. For example, we use Infusionsoft as our our, – shopping cart database uh, service provider, and it's a very complex program. I could take the time to learn it, but would that be the most effective use of my time? No, absolutely not. So rather than me trying to learn it, I outsource it to somebody who's very knowledgeable and can get me the results I need quicker. Um, As far as design work, I'm a terrible designer, um, and a lot of people think that because you know marketing, you, you know design work also. That's the furthest thing from the truth. I can't even draw a stick person. And so, so are we talking about like web design? It could be web design. It could be graphic design. It could be logo design. Right. But any kind of design work. Um, and actually, you're, you know, web design is a big one. When I tell people that I do my business on uh, the Internet, they automatically assume that I'm a web designer. And it's like, wow, that's the furthest thing from the truth. So it's really finding those <laughs> things that you need to outsource or you need to hire somebody for. Um, and then getting on to the business of doing what you're supposed to be doing. And many times by thinking that we're saving money. I actually just sent a message out this morning about the um, misconception that people have about going to events. I have a big event coming up in a few weeks, and a lot of people say, well, I can't afford to go to a conference. And the question that you need to ask yourself is, can you afford not to do something? Um, The minute that you say, I can't afford something, you're already putting yourself in a box. So it's really looking at what is the end result that you need and what's the most effective an efficient way to get to that end result so that you can actually do more of what you're here to do. Right. On a personal note, I moved to Las Vegas last year. I moved here in November 2013, and there are a number of reasons why I came here. First of all, you know, the climate is a lot better. It's a lot closer to other places I like to visit. But the driving reason that brought me here was a combination of business strategy and economics. Uh, and it's funny you brought up seminars because it made me think of this. I recognize that part of the reason I wasn't getting out to as many seminars, as many events, I wasn't doing as much networking in my industry as I should, is because I was living in a place where basically my industry doesn't exist in that form. So, I mean, it's great to say, you know, let's go to seminars and let's network all the time, but that gets pretty expensive. And I can't afford it. It can become a very real thing. I mean, I sat down with my account and we looked over, you know, the debt that my business is still carrying and we figured out that the majority of it is just all those plane rides and hotels right. and taxi rides right. and everything that just kept getting floated over and over and over again. So I made the decision, I'm going to move to where it's happening. So I can get out now where, because all these things you where Adam, you... Yeah. Where were you living? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, okay. And, and you know, I, I want to I give some pushback on that because I actually have a mentor who is in uh, South Carolina and I'm in Oregon. And the plane trip out there is a full day. Uh, it can cost as much as $1,000 than the cost of being up in a hotel and the food and all this and then what I pay my mentor. And it's oh, really yeah. about being strategic about which events you choose to go to. So I'm in agreement on some levels and I'm in disagreement on other levels because many times people do a blanket statement saying, oh, I just can't afford it, before they really analyze, okay, 
is this conference going to serve me on whatever level it needs to serve me? Am I going to meet potential clients? Am I going to meet potential joint venture partners, affiliate partners? Uh, Am I going to learn the information I need to learn? For example, um, I recently got into podcasting. I launched my show about eight days ago, as a matter of fact, and we've hit number six in business and number six in education. It's really quite quite exciting. And there's a conference coming up in August uh, for podcasting. And as I looked at that, the cost of the conference was minimal, but like you said, there was the cost of the flight, the time, the hotel, all of that. And I really weighed the pros and cons, and I thought, okay, if I want to immerse myself in that particular part of um, the marketing side of my business and the outreach of my business, is that the best use of my time, money, and resources? And after analyzing it, it was. The, the challenge I see people have is they don't think those things through. They either say no right away or they say yes far too often. Um, we, we have a real syndrome today, the bright, shiny object syndrome, where our yes. brains literally have been recircuited. Um, because of all the distractions we have, we literally have adult ADHD, a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, done, they've done studies on it. it it's uh, a scientific proven fact that people are easily distracted and they say yes to things when they really shouldn't be saying yes. So it's really about stepping back and being strategic about any decision you make because in some cases you're right. You should not be going out to certain conferences. In other cases, you absolutely should be. Right. I think, I think you raised some very good points here. Uh, part of it is being strategic, and you know, I still come back to the point that you have to decide what you really want to do in life. Uh, now, you may mention earlier in our conversation here about finding out where your prospects are and going to where they are. That's something I teach in my business all the time. Find out where the people who need your message and need what you have to offer are hanging out and go speak to them in the language that they speak, and you will increase your website and sales conversions like crazy. I think it's the same thing. It's like, for instance, if you want to make it uh, big in the movies, where do you go to live? Normally, it would be Hollywood. Exactly. If you, want to, if, you, if you want to, exactly. If you want to score on Broadway, where do you go? New York. Exactly. And why would you? Why would you move to Hollywood to be in the movies and New York to be on Broadway? That's where the action is happening. That's where the where action, the action is, is. And you, you know, I, I'd like to give you an example of something that I actually uh, had somebody who we did a, a, a coaching session together and. She was really frustrated because she had been told she needed to go out and do networking in her local market. So she went out and did all this networking, and I said, okay, let me ask you this. Who's your market? She goes, well, I'm not really sure. I said, great. So you're going to these events without knowing who your market is. No wonder you're not getting a result. And I said, are you networking at these events? She goes, well, I kind of sit there and, you know, I wait for people to come to me. And it's like, well, what are you going to the events for? And I said, and what is the cost of time money and effort. Uh, as far as time, how long does it take you to get to these meetings? How much time are you spending at the meetings? Uh, and then the cost of the meetings, if it's a lunch meeting or a dinner meeting. And she was shocked at how much money and time she had invested going, and I should say spent going to these local events, getting no result. And she goes, right. well, people told me I needed to go to these events. And I said, well, whoever advised you to just go to events was misguiding you because what you want to do is analyze it. And it doesn't matter if it's local or if it's regional, or if it's national or international where you're doing your travels. You really need to be strategic about um, how you spend your time. Right. I think, the, I think you raise a lot of points there. 
So what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of flip this around and go backwards for a minute. And tell me, Kathleen, you know, we're talking about the importance of visibility in your business and why you need to be visible in order to be successful. Why, is, why does it seem like everybody's hiding? You know, I, it, it's, that is such a great question, Adam, because I actually was uh, just a few days ago in Fort Lauderdale at a conference. I was one of the speakers, and I, I put it out to the audience, what is your greatest fear in making yourself visible? And number one answer, rejection. People are so afraid of being rejected that they're going to protect themselves and not put themselves out on a limb so that nobody can reject them. And the truth be told is if you're letting that hold you back, you're never going to see what you're capable of doing. And the truth be told also is the more visible you are, the more you will have a core group of people who absolutely love what you do, and then you're going to have people who completely criticize you. Um, I I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to a, a wide range of speakers. And one speaker I really like, he happens to be a minister, is Joe Olstein. And I thought, I'm going to go look at the reviews that Joe Osteen has on his, uh, his podcast show. I was shocked. There was the group of people who absolutely loved him, gave him a five rating, and, and said, you know, he's the greatest minister ever. And then there was that group of people who rated him at a one and said, he's the work of the devil, he's awful, he's not, you know, a true Christian. And, and I thought, isn't that interesting? And I've seen the same thing with somebody like Marianne Williamson, who's a very spiritual person, where some people right. say greatest speaker ever, she's got such a wonderful message, she's the best thing, and then on the other side, it's like, this woman is just like an evil, evil person, and I'm like, wow, they've put themselves out there, and that's what they're getting subjected to, so that really is the reason, is that people are fearful of what is going to be said about them, and so what they do is they protect themselves, and they never find out what they're capable of, nor do they impact the people that they're here to impact. Right. Right, and that's, that's very sad, and I see that happen way too often. So with that being said, uh, you work with your clients to help them achieve more visibility, obviously. So I think what helps to motivate people is when they have a why behind it. So why should someone concern themselves with visibility, regardless of their, you know, their past experiences with rejection or acceptance, or we could have a whole separate conversation about introvert versus extrovert. I mean, we could do this all day long, but across the board, everybody needs to concern themselves with visibility. Why is that? Well, I, I want to qualify that with saying not everybody does, because it really depends what your own personal goals are uh, for yourself, for your life, for your business, and for the impact that you're going to have. Um, because I'm, I'm not going to say that it's a one-size-fits-all. However, if somebody right. says, I really want to make a difference in the world, uh, my message is that important, uh, let's say it's a nutritionist that uh, happens to be very passionate about helping people who are type 2 diabetics. And the reason right. this person is so passionate, maybe they lost a parent to that disease. And so that drove them to get out there and learn as much as they could and help as many people as possible. Well, if they're holding back, there's a lot of people that have type 2 diabetes that they're not going to be able to help. And so it's really a matter of how important is it to you to impact the people you're here to impact. It's a real simple question that people can ask themselves rather than trying to um, analyze everything. It's just a simple what do you want to do with your life? How big do you want your message to be? How many people do you want to impact? And really it's all about just doing the footwork and being strategic about it and letting go of the outcome. Because a lot of people what they do is they're, 
they think that every action they take should have a specific uh, outcome. And sometimes we can plant a seed years before anything comes to fruition with it. Um, a, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to contribute to the book on Internet profits. It's uh, um, Steve Olster is the right. uh, main author of that. And he approached me and said, would you contribute to this book? And I thought, okay. And I said, well, how did you even find me? And he said, well, I asked a lot of people who in, in uh, the world of Internet marketing, what women would be good to, to have contribute to this book. And he said, your name kept coming up over and over again. And with that, I contributed a, a chapter. Then I was invited to speak at a conference. Then I met some people that I had been wanting to be, uh, meet. Janet Atwood was one of them. That opportunity created other top opportunities, which created other opportunities. So it all started with me just doing what I do online, doing articles, media releases, interviews. Um, at that time, there was uh, years ago, there was no social media. So it was much more uh, grassroots at that time than it is today. But a seed that was planted many years ago grew into other opportunities that I never even would have imagined. And, and that's the thing that I encourage people to look at is, like, don't try to figure out all the outcomes that you're going to get from an action. Just do what you're being called to do. Have a plan. Every day work that plan and just show up and, and do the next indicated step. Right, right. Now, I've heard you say there's a big mistake many people make when they try and get noticed. For the benefit of our listeners today, could you share that with us? Well, the, the first mistake is that they don't stick with it. They try something once, and if it doesn't give them an immediate result, then they, they quit. Um, another huge mistake, and I see this with authors a lot. I work with quite a few authors, and what they do is they work on the book, work on the book, work on the book. They get it published. Maybe they self-publish or they go through a mid-tier publisher, um, and then they say, okay, now I've got to do the marketing. Well, the marketing of it should start the minute that you decide that you're going to write a book. It doesn't start when the book is published. And I, I was working with somebody not too long ago that we both decided we had to go our separate ways because she insisted on waiting until her book was done before she started marketing it. And I, I was encouraging her to start right away, and she just wouldn't do it. And then when her book got published and it wasn't selling right away, she thought all she needed to do was write it and put it up on Amazon and the rest would take care of itself. She said, well, this stuff obviously doesn't work. And so the number one mistake is that people don't plan far enough ahead. Uh, they fly by the seat of their pants. They don't have a, a year-long or a three-year or a five-year plan of what they want to see happen in their business. And they think too small. Okay. I have seen that behavior before where folks try something, like they'll go out there and they'll try and implement a strategy and then they don't get the instant results. I remember years ago uh, I knew somebody where they wanted to get joint venture partners. And so they put weeks and weeks of effort into editing this letter they were going to send to these people they'd identified as joint venture partners or prospective joint venture partners. They, you know, they put them in the nice envelopes, they autographed them, put them in the mail and everything else. And then three days later, they basically just completely gave up on the strategy because they said, yeah, I sent out those letters three days ago. Uh, the post office delivered them by now, and uh, my phone isn't exactly ringing off the hook here, so this doesn't work. <laughs> You know, I have to tell you, I'm still guilty of it because, um, like I said, I, I launched my podcast show about eight days ago, and we've gotten some really good numbers. And yet it, the first day that we launched it, 
I was I was so upset because I didn't get 10,000 downloads. It's like, what is wrong with me? It's like, why can't I get 10,000 downloads? And we've gotten some really respectable numbers. And it, it's so interesting how the universe will support us in what we need. When I went out to this conference in Fort Lauderdale, I was thinking, okay, is this podcast stuff really worth it? Am I going to get the visibility that I'm looking for? Is it going to have the impact I want it to? Well, the night before the conference, all the speakers had dinner together, and one of the speakers happens to be a podcaster who makes about $40,000 a month from his podcast. And he said, let me share some of the strategies that I used early on. He goes, first of all, it took a while before it really took. He said, you need to be patient. Right. You need to constantly show up. You need to do the podcasting. And so he gave me some insights that it was kind of like the universe saying, okay, Kathleen, there's, there's proof that it's not going to happen overnight. So even those of us who have been doing this for a long time, we can still get impatient because we think, well, I've worked so hard and I've got such a good market reach and, you know, I sent one message out, it should, it should just explode in the marketplace. It doesn't work like that. It's like you have to have many strategies that lead to the end result. And what many people do is they try one thing. They try an email or they try a, a post on Facebook or they try a tweet. And then they go, well, nothing's happening, so obviously this stuff doesn't work. I run into this too often. Um, folks, uh, here, here's, here's an example, and this is why I carefully screen the people that I work with. Uh, a lot of what we do here at HelpMyWebsiteSell.com is we develop the no like and trust strategies that draw the visitor to help to move them to prospect and then to customer. And a big piece of that process is getting people onto the opt-in and subscriber list and then following up with them automatic automatically through a series of autoresponder messages. So we have cli had clients before where we've written a series of autoresponder messages. We've put the autoresponder messages in, and then they get subscribers to them, and then 10 days later they come to us and say, well, you know, I haven't gotten a single customer yet. Obviously, this entire strategy is flawed, and we need to start all over again. Well, <laughs> I, ha I had one of those customers once, and here's, here's what I said to the guy. Um, I can't remember exactly what day it was, so let's just pretend it, uh, the conversation was on March 13th. And I said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip to your calendar. I want you to go to next March. And I want you to find the 13th of March. And uh, right now, we're going to schedule a phone call for 10 o'clock that morning. So you got that in there? Okay, you got my number in there? Great. On March 13th of next year, 10 o'clock in the morning, um, I want you to call me and tell me how your last year in business has been. Well, about three months yeah. later, he said, I know, he called me up and he said, I know I was supposed to call you next March, but I just wanted to let you know that uh, I'm seeing all these results and I've closed all these clients because they've been seeing my emails and, and I'm following the strategies and things are really coming across here. And I said, that was my point. Awesome. Awesome. Now, did you know that you used the word automagically? Did you do that on purpose? I do that on purpose all the time. Wow, I love that, automagically. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I have no idea who originally coined the phrase, but I've heard it from a number of different folks, and I think that it's a word we want to be careful not to abuse because it has such meaning to it. But right. when we're talking about something where we can, you know, we can combine automation with customization, we can create something that's auto magic for your end user. 
Right, right. I love that. I've never heard that before, and it, it, it resonates with me for sure. But, you know, you're, you're so correct in having people look a year into the future. I just um, re, reposted something on Facebook about a year from now you would have wished that you started a year ago. Um, and it was a picture of a bodybuilder where, you know, for a year this person's been working on their body and they got a certain result. Um, and I think if we can take ourselves a year into the future and say, okay, what are all the actions that will need to happen in order to get to where I want to be in a year, um, we might surprise ourselves. And it, it really is about daily action, Adam. It's not about uh, right. a haphazard approach. And, you know, it, it right. can get frustrating. I, I have a lot of friends who are multiple six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure business owners. And I, I have one friend in particular, when she hit the million-dollar mark last year, she said that she actually was kind of disappointed that there wasn't a big celebration around the fact that she hit a million dollars and that she still has to do the same things that got her to the million and beyond. Um, you know, so right. it's really about just sticking with it. That's, that's a huge part of this whole visibility thing is you can't expect to put one flyer up. I, I, I am taking myself back several years when, when we first started doing events many, many years ago prior to my, the company I have now. Uh, I was in the Bay Area, and we would literally go around and flyer cars, and we would put flyers up on, on uh, billboard, uh, the, the cork boards that they had. And, you know, it just took one more flyer, one more flyer, one more flyer before you'd get the result that you wanted. Right. I used to be I used to be in telephone sales, believe it or not, way back in the day, and we were taught that all the time. Sometimes it's that. It's sometimes just you're getting ready, getting up and getting ready to leave for the day. If you stop and make that one last phone call, that might be the one you close. And Absolutely. that happened several times. Yeah. So and and it's it's actually. Um, I mean, it turned out the industry I was in was something that didn't work out for me ultimately, and the culture of that company didn't work out for me. But that's a lesson that did work out for me, which is. Whenever you're ready to call it a day, just do that one last thing. Make that one last call, reply that one last email, whatever that – or that one last social media post that, you know, will get a chance to collect likes and comments and maybe go viral and things like that. And sometimes it's that very last thing. So I, even to this day I have a ritual where, you know, I stand up from my desk and I walk away and I come back and I do that one last thing. And I like that. It, I mean, like it doesn't that. happen every time, but sometimes – it turns out I get that result that I probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise because I think I think part of it, I think there are many reasons for it, but one of which is I did it and then I walked away so I wasn't sitting there tapping the desk waiting for the results. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's just like if you're going to win the lottery, you've got to buy the ticket, and you probably have to buy more than one ticket, but it's that one ticket that you finally bought that, that is going to be the winning ticket. So, you, you know, that when you, you said that the phone calling, the, uh, that job didn't work out, it gave you skills that you apply today, and that's the thing that I encourage people to look at also is even if something didn't turn out or we did it for a period of time and then we went on to something else, we gained something from that experience that's going to be applicable to what we're doing today. Right. And sometimes it's okay. finding out okay. what we don't want to do. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I think it's really important for people to look at when they go through an experience and they try something and it doesn't work the way that they intended, what did they learn from it that they are going to make sure they never repeat again? I think that's very profound. And, and another thing I like, I didn't come up with this, and whoever did come up with it, go ahead and claim credit for it. But it says that... You can never know what it feels like to succeed unless you know what it feels like to fail. Ooh, I like that. 
I like that. And if yeah, you I would, I would, I'd love look, to know who said that. Well, if you, uh, you know, I can take, uh, I'll take credit for it if you want me to, but. Uh, <laughs> But here, here's the thing. If you look at the most successful people, they probably are the ones who have failed the most, too. And you yeah. look at Olympian, uh, Olympic athlete, uh, athletes, and you look at how much effort they put into getting the gold. And I, I remember hearing a story once. I don't know if it was Tiger Woods who told this story, but it was somebody who was very, very skilled at what they, they do. And right. people would say, you know, I would give anything to be as good as you. And the person said, no, you wouldn't, because if you would, you'd be doing what I've done. Right. Exactly. Let me let me ask one other question here. Um, if I if I say if I ask a question, who was the greatest leader in British history? What name normally comes to mind? Oh gosh, I'm terrible at history, but I'm going to say Winston Churchill. Uh huh. Even people who are terrible at history will frequently say Winston Churchill was the greatest leader in British history. Now I'm not looking to start a debate over whether he truly was, but what is powerful about that belief that in held by many, even those who don't know history, who believe that Winston Churchill is a great leader, if you actually study his life story and you look at his biography, uh, one year, up until one year before he became Prime Minister of Great Britain at uh, the, the country's lowest point in its history, he had basically been written off as a screw-up after a long string of failures. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, if it, had, if it hadn't been for World War II, knowledge. he would have gone down as an also-ran. Wow. That's amazing. And Abraham Lincoln, same thing. I mean, how many times did he fail? Henry Ford, how many times did he fail? Walt Disney, right. how many times did he fail? And so, you know, we, we look to these people and we just say, well, you know, they're, they're unique, they're different. And, yes, they are. They stuck with it, and they kept going, no matter how hard right. it got. Right. The, the other example I like to use is William Shatner. I mean, we all know him uh, from some of his many roles. You have uh, Captain Kirk, Danny Crane, T.J. Hooker. I mean, you know all these iconic characters that he created. When I like to remind people that despite all of his fame and all of his success and all the movies and all the television shows that he has starred in and has become part of the lexicon, he did not win an Emmy until he was 73 years old. And he oh won gosh. that Emmy for a guest appearance on a show that had already been canceled. That's incredible. I did not know that. Yeah. So if you have not yet won your award, just keep on keeping on, and you'll get there when the time comes. And I think that with this mindset, and tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, this should help people who are worried about visibility, worried about putting themselves out there, worried about what happens if they put themselves out to the world and they go for visibility and it doesn't work out quite the way they expected. Well, you know, I, I, I just was reminded of something that happened um, on Saturday night. I, I live in a small rural, a rural community in Oregon. And, I mean, we're talking a very rural community where when you right. go to any kind of an event, everybody's in their cowboy hats and western boots, and that's just the way it is, and that's dress-up time. And, I mean, I'm wearing my western boots right now. And so we go to this fundraiser, and it's for the Boosters Club for the local high school, and the whole town turned out. I mean, it was just amazing how many people were there. And there was a young woman that was singing country and western music, and most of the people were totally ignoring her. Uh, they were, you know, busy chatting among themselves, and this girl was just singing her heart out. 
And I, I turned to my partner and I said, you know, that's the same thing as the people that are on The Voice. They have appeared in different locations, singing their hearts out. People are ignoring them. They finally got their break because they stuck with it. And a lot of people would give up when, if they're on stage, people are not paying attention to them. They would say, well, obviously those people are right and I'm wrong. I have no business being on stage. And you just got to show up to the stage that's in front of you and keep at it and hold on to the big why because it really all goes back to that, Adam, is what is the big why? What's the impact you're going to have? And for me, one of my big whys is we're into animal rescue and we donate a lot of money to right. animal rescue. We have several. We have three horses, two dogs, or three dogs now, and two cats. We just adopted another dog two weeks ago. And um, I look at that, yeah, it, she was a throwaway dog. Somebody literally threw her away and she was on her last leg. She's doing great now. Uh, she's been groomed. She's gone to the vet. She's, and all of that costs money. And that's one of my big right. whys in business is I get to help animals. And so whatever your big why is, you always have to keep that at the forefront because otherwise you will cave and you will give in. Right. We could probably keep this conversation going all day long. I mean, I think there's so Absolutely. much that we can delve into. Some of the root reasons why people achieve visibility or don't achieve visibility. I know that for some of our listeners, this show may feel like it's taken a slight little bit of a tangent, but all this stuff is very important because it's some of the things that go on in our minds about what gets in the way of people achieving visibility. It's that fear of rejection, that fear of failure, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. worry that you put forth all of your effort and it comes out to basically not, and then you have to do even more effort, uh, where you get rewarded for your work with the opportunity to do more work. And that's the reality, and that's life. And it's about persistence, being consistent, and what Grandma Homie used to call stick-to-itiveness. These are all very important components when it comes to achieving visibility. Now, and I know in a few minutes you're going to give us a little bit of a prescription for success when it comes to standing out and getting noticed. But before we do that, if you could just tell me there, um, Kathleen, what's the deal with social media? There's a lot of hoopla about the importance of social media, and should everyone focus on getting their visibility there? Okay, that is a great question, Adam. And actually, I just two days ago finished a uh, blueprint for a client who is in the real estate industry, and she's in the Bay Area. And she's in right. her 70s. Has, at one point, her company was doing $50 million in loans. I mean, just extremely successful woman. The economy made a turn on and on and on. And she said, you know, I have all these people telling me I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on Twitter. I need to do this and that. And I said, you don't need to be doing any of that. What you need to be doing is getting out in your local market and being seen by the people who need the investments and by the people who uh, want to uh, have people invest in their properties. And so right. in that particular case, she was spinning her wheels saying, oh, my gosh, how am I going to learn social media? What am I going to do? And I said, just ignore that for now. You don't need to be doing it. So, no, not everybody needs to be using social media. And not everybody who uses it should be doing it themselves. In some cases, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you need to figure out what are the core things that you should be doing in your business, and then you outsource or you hire for the rest of it. And for a lot right. of people – Rather than them trying to figure out all the social media stuff, hire social media experts to get them the visibility they need to integrate their branding across all the platforms. A few years ago, I was working with a dentist who works with other dentists, teaching them how to build their businesses. And a very successful dentist that I was working with, he had a $3 million practice, and other dentists wanted to know, how do I get that kind of a business? Well, for him... 
hanging out on a place like Facebook during the day would be the greatest misuse of his time. Rather, what we did is we found a forum that has hundreds of thousands of dentists who they communicate in that particular platform rather than being on Facebook. So in that case, yes, social media is important, but which network do you want to belong to? And so to say that you absolutely must be on all the different social networks I think is a great injustice to um, the person you're telling that to. It, it really goes back to, okay, what, what's your message? Who is your market? Who do you need to reach? All of that kind of stuff has to play into it. So it's really looking at what's the best use of your time, your money, and your resources. I think that's very true. Uh, when we see folks that will jump on the bandwagon because they heard somebody say, oh, yeah, you need to be on all this social media. So they'll burn white hot for a minute, and then they'll disappear. Absolutely. So the question is, and, and I think part of what falls behind that is they'll put out some tweets or they'll put out some status updates, and then it won't turn into their next million dollars or their next 10 clients, so they'll give it up after like a week without understanding there's a snowball effect behind that. Or they may put up their thoughts on something on social media, and then somebody who, you know, in my opinion, just doesn't have anything better to do with their life, will come and criticize them and try and raise themselves up by tearing that person down. And they'll say, well, I'm not going to be putting myself out there anymore because I, I don't want people to think I'm a loser or anything like that. Now, I, on the other hand, I get involved with LinkedIn discussion groups, and I state some opinions on LinkedIn sometimes that folks find in some ways controversial. And if they want to, and if they want to engage me in a healthy debate about the pros and cons of something, that's really great. I will, I, will, if, I will discuss that with you all day long with the idea that by going back and forth with ideas, we create a greater understanding that can help other people as well as ourselves. If you just want to tear me down and denigrate me, I'll just shut you down. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. No, nobody, nobody, has time, nobody has time for it. Well, and it, it goes back to the whole thing of uh, the, the fear of criticism. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, some people, they'll take their toys and go home. It's like, well, I'm not going to play if somebody's going to criticize me. And the, the more visible you are, it's bound to happen. And it's also having those healthy debates that not everybody is going to agree with what you, you have to say. Uh, a great example is a good friend of mine, Lynn Terry, has uh, Great Danes. And one of her Great Danes has a real challenge with drinking water out of a bowl because he has a fear of the bowl. I mean, it, you know, this is a real right. situation, real problem. So she posted on Facebook about how she is actually going to not um, pamper the dog anymore because she was lifting the bowl up and she was doing everything she could to support the dog's uh, drinking water and on and on. And she goes, I just need to let him get over his fear. And somebody just right. ripped her apart. And somebody else came to her defense and said, you know, she's probably the best dog owner out there and she really loves her animals, but she's trying to help them to get to the other side of the fear. So many times what can happen is when somebody attacks you online, you can step back and let your fans come to your defense. It, it's really amazing how that can happen. So in some cases, you don't need to defend yourself at all, and you shouldn't have to defend your opinion. It's, it's really you've got an opinion, somebody else has an opinion, and let's have some healthy debate around it. Exactly. Like I, had a, like I uh, wrote an article once about um, why folks should not 
have their subscribers double opt and how double opt is the death of email marketing or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody challenge me on that viewpoint, and the person actually had the credentials where they had something to say about. They were a network administrator. They were involved in things like this, and they, you know, and they shared their opinions about why they felt I was completely off base. And then I came back and I said, you know, you do raise some good points, but here are some other things you want to consider. And where it all ended is where we agreed that there are different ways of looking at this, and you ultimately have to decide what's best for your own business. So we realized that we were never going to come to an agreement on that point, but that didn't mean we couldn't respect each other's end game. Now, Absolutely. on the other hand, I did have somebody in the discussion group once who decided that uh, their way of creating engagement would be to say, you know, I went to your blog and I was very disappointed because I thought you'd share something more than marketing fluff which is kind of hilarious if you go to helpmywebsitesell.com and you see what we post there. It's kind of hilarious if you would even say that. And, uh, and my reaction was, okay, well, I'm very interested in your opinions on blogging, so uh, tell me about your success with your blog. And I was making the point that he didn't have one. So he uh. comes back with all these quote-unquote criticisms of how all my blog content was really garbage. And so I said, again, please, show me your blog. I want to see how you do it. I, I feel that you probably have something to teach me here. And then somebody else jumped in and said, you know, look, pal, this guy's out there. He's actually doing it, and all you're doing is tear him down. So either start your own blog or shut up. That's awesome. And that's, that's yeah. the whole point of people will come to your defense. And because you, you have the people that absolutely love what you're doing and then the people that they don't care what you're doing. And, you know, a big, a big issue that happens with people that are building a, a presence and building a list is they can, let's say they get 500 people to subscribe to their list. And, it, you know, in a month they get 500 people. And then at the yeah. end of the month they send out a message and maybe 10 people opt out. Well, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll spend so much energy on those 10 people who opted out thinking, how could I have kept them? What did I do wrong? Instead of thinking the, of the other 490 people who are saying, you know, we love your information. We're staying with you. So you really have to look at where you put your attention and your energy because it's really easy to get sidetracked into trying to get everybody to love you and not everybody is going to love you. It's really just, it's that simple. Uh, Kathleen, here's something you can quote me on, um, and, and, I, and I hope you will, actually, but this is something that I tell people all the time who are worried about sending out emails. I remember one time somebody unsubscribed from my list, and they wrote a comment on it, like, you know, like I care or something, and they said, way, way, way too many emails. So I actually filmed a video on this, and I asked the rhetorical question, how many units are in a way, way too many? <laughs> my, larger my larger point is, then no matter, pretty much no matter what you do with your email marketing, somebody's going to complain about it. They're going to say, they're going to claim you're spamming them, even though you have the proof that they opted in because your email system tracks the date of opt-in, IP Absolutely. address, and everything else. Yeah, they're going to claim they're going to claim your stuff is garbage. I mean, I actually had somebody once um, write a cease and desist letter because they, cla they claimed that I was spamming them, and that meanwhile I had the receipt that showed that they opted in. I mean, it was just kind of hilarious. So I just simply reported the person to my email marketing company, my web host, and we made sure the person was blocked. And they looked at my documentation and said, "Yeah, this person's a total wacko. We'll help you block right, them at the end of it." Right. So here's the point. Here's the, here's the, and I laugh about it. I mean, here, here's the point that I want to make. Um, people will complain about everything. They'll say you send too many emails. You don't send enough emails. You, you're spamming them. You know, your stuff is garbage. It's all marketing, hoo-ha, whatever. But here's what I say to that. 
it is true that everybody's going to complain about you. The people who are prepared to receive you for the gifts you have to offer, who are prepared to receive your message for how it can change their lives, will complain that you're not sending them enough. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. I if love they, your, if they will complain about of... one thing, they will complain if you stop sending it. They will feel yes. that you have given them something, then you've yanked it away. Those are the people that I focus on. So if one people opt, opt it out, oh, well, or if I send an email message out and it uh, turns out I have a higher unsubscribe rate than usual, okay, so that one wasn't the right message. Okay, so I'll start another right. one. Oh, well. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and I love your, your use of the word wacko because that's one of my favorite words too. Oh, well, they're wacko uh, because they're all, you don't know who's behind the computer screen of where you're sending your information. And, you know, it, it, it drives me a little crazy when people do say I spam them when they opted in. I don't put people on my list. Now, early on, we're going back, you know, in the, the mid, well, around 1997. Boy, if somebody could fog a mirror, I'd put them on my list. And then, you know, came the can spam laws and all that kind of stuff right but what really really just irks me is when somebody has opted in and then they claim that you're spamming them and that can be a ding against you depending on what uh, service provider you're using infusionsoft for example is what we use and i think what happens is people don't read the full message and it says is this a spam first thing is yes and then no. And it's like, oh, could you just reverse the order Infusionsoft? And, you know, that's a big frustration with a, le- a lot of people right. who use that. But you're right. If, if people love you, they want to hear from you. As long as you're not abusing the privilege. Because, you know, it is a privilege that we have to communicate with our market. It is a privilege to send our information and put our perspective in front of people. And so we, we really need to honor that. Right. I think, I think that's very true. And, and another thing that I'll mention is it is possible to unsubscribe people from your list simply by ignoring them because if you build a list and then you ignore them for a long time and then you come back oh, out, of, yeah. out of nowhere, you've basically yes. forfeited me, their consent. You've gained their consent. You have to keep example. their consent by – okay, go ahead. Okay, here's a great example. I have, I have a client yeah. that uh, a few years ago we started working together, and she's in a very niched market. She had a list of 8,000 people that she goes, yes, this, you know, this is my list. It's a great list. And I said, when's the last time you emailed them? She goes, probably a couple of years ago. And I said, well, you can figure maybe 500 to 1,000 will actually be good if even that many. And she goes, no, 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 I know everybody's uh, commit- loyal to me. I said, well, let's test it. And so we put together an ethical bribe that was a really juicy, sweet ethical bribe and sent out a series of messages. She had 200 people who opted in. The other 7,800 dropped off by the wayside, and a lot of them probably were bad emails by that point. She was shocked. So what we did is we put a marketing campaign together where she did a telesummit within the industry. It was the first time in that industry a telesummit had been done. It was very uncommon. She got a great response, built up her list by 5,000 people, and made $35,000 in the process. But Right. She was under the mistaken notion that those 8,000 people were going to stick with her. So you're right. You can, you can actually be the cause of people dropping by the wayside because you haven't kept in touch with them. Great point to bring up. Exactly. That. Exactly. So, um, so believe it or not, we only have five minutes left here. I mean, we could keep talking oh about gosh. this all day, as I said. I know. This really went quick. So if we Where wrap up, what I want to do <laughs> – Oh, I know, I know, I know. I want to leave our listeners with a little easy-to-follow prescriptions for success. So would you be willing to share with us today uh, you know, a step-by-step process 
that our listeners can use to help them stand out and get noticed, something they can take in bullet point form and run with? Absolutely. The first thing that they have to do is they have to identify what their expertise is. What is it about them that will stand out? The next thing they need to do is figure out who is their sweet spot ideal client. And that takes time. You have to be able to define more than just women or men or children or teens. You really have to get clear. And if you're not sure, go into your database and look at the clients who have spent the most money with you that you've enjoyed working with and then profile that particular person. Then Based on that, what is the major problem that they have and what's the solution you offer? Once you've identified that, then you need to figure out where these people hang out. Do they hang out on Facebook? Do they hang out on LinkedIn? What blogs do they read? What online magazines do they read? What uh, podcasts do they listen to? What radio programs? And then your job is to put together information that you can distribute the by means of those particular avenues. And then put a plan together where every day you have a checklist of the things that you can do. It could be that, for for example, with my podcast, we have a checklist that every single day, these are the things that my virtual assistant must do in order to get the word out. One is a media release, then there's tweets, then there's Facebook, then there's LinkedIn, there's YouTube. There's a number of avenues that we're taking in order to accomplish the end result, and it's done by way of having a checklist. You should have standard operating procedures in your business, SOPs. The more that you have your SOPs, the easier things become because then it's just a recipe that you follow. So those would be some of the things that I would recommend. You need to put your bio together so that if an opportunity comes up, you can send it out right away. Uh, Let's say an interview opportunity. You don't want to make people wait on you. If an opportunity shows up, you must respond quickly. So in a nutshell, those would be some of the things that I would recommend. I think that's awesome. So in our last couple minutes here, uh, first of all, Kathleen, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And as we wrap up, uh, let me just give you the floor for one more minute here and tell us how you serve business creators and how folks can get a hold of you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Um, The way that I really serve people, and I'm using this as feedback from my own clients, is I help them to get outside of their comfort zone. I push them beyond where they thought they could go without breaking them. And so really how I serve people is to expand their thinking of what's possible. The way that people can get in touch with me, uh, first of all, I'd like to send them to my podcast page, which is Power Up for Profits Podcast.com, and you'll see a, yes. a whole bunch of great information on the podcast. My general website is Power Up for Profits.com, and on uh, Facebook, if you're on Facebook, you can go to my professional page, which is Power Up for Profits. So everything we've done has been branded with Power Up for Profits. That's beautiful. And I'll remind all of our listeners that you can go to our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you'll see the archive of all of our previous episodes. And every single one of our guest experts has a profile on businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you can learn more about them. You have links to their website and to their social media. So anybody listening to this, you just go to our website in addition to everything that Kathleen just shared with us, and you'll have ways of getting a hold of Kathleen and her organization and learn more how they can help you. Because I can tell you that I, I know just listening myself here, and our listeners know that not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, but I stand right next to our listeners, notebook and pen in hand, taking notes, because I feel that there's such a priceless opportunity to learn and grow your business from folks like Kathleen Gage and our other guests that – there, that you know, seriously, every single week you walk away with something new 
that can really help you grow your business. So once again, Kathleen Gage, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a great episode, and I know I look forward to listening to it again myself. Thank you, Adam. It's been delightful, and I, I would love to have people uh, email me or, or visit me on Facebook, and I'll, I have free tickets to my event coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's in Phoenix, and I uh, would love to see you there if you can make it. But uh, just contact me on Facebook, and I'll make sure you get some free tickets. Okay, very good, very good. Well, everybody, this is, uh, again, thank you, Kathleen. This is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.